Hello and welcome back to Unedited the Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Lauren, and I'm here with episode nine with a very special guest, somebody I've been really excited to connect with in a conversation like this. Uh, This is a woman that I have been both inspired by, activated by. She has been such a beacon of devotion, of wisdom, of gnosis, and a fierce truth teller, and that's something that I really deeply admire. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Danica of Orifim Oracle. Hi, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. Hi, it's a pleasure. Um, So before we get into the meat of the podcast, I would love to just open up the floor to you and allow you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you be, maybe what you do in the world, the art you create, how you like to show up in work and play. Yeah, it's always difficult to talk about yourself, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I am <clears throat> I don't know. I tried I this is this is so funny because I know that this is like necessary to help people understand, you know, who I am and what I do, but I try not to over-identify with things, you know. I'm in that space where I'm trying not to over-identify with identity markers and just find my identity rooted in God. But I am a musician. I am Um, I used to be in a band with my brother. We were touring rock and roll musicians. And um, so I have a lot of a lot of the music industry under my belt. Um, I'm also an artist. My preferred medium is graphite. I love pencil. And I am an I'm newly a chicken enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) which I find to be so much fun. Chickens are so much fun. And um, I'm in my first year of uh, being a chicken steward. I don't like to say that I'm the owner of them, but I am their steward and their caretaker. And um, it is so fulfilling for me. It's so much fun. They are such funny little creatures. (laughs) I love that. I know you have like a cute little chicken gang name, don't you? (laughs) I do. Yes. And I actually call them the feathered ladies now because of you. <laughs> because you called them the feathered ladies and I do. I call them the feathered ladies and they all have old lady names. They are Mildred, Myrtle, um, Eunice, and Gladys. I love that so much. <laughs> They're so sweet. I have two cats and I have a dog and I'm just an all around animal lover. And um, where I'm at in my life now, I um, I facilitate healing containers for people. So that's what I do now. Um, I still play music, but not, you know, for anybody other than myself. And um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. I'm married. I have a wonderful husband. We've been together for 18 years, not in a row. (laughs) We we met when we were 16. So um, we definitely had to work through some wounding and stuff together, but we've been married for, for, let's see, I think we're going on year six uh, in February. So that's brilliant. I think that's a really beautiful example of how relationships work when you allow the grace of, of human to human connection to exist. There's messiness, right? It's, (laughs) oh, wow. Yes. Um, we've definitely had our share of stuff to, uh, wade through. I didn't Mm -hmm. ask you sometimes I curse. (laughs) Oh, so (laughs) 
all forms of communication are welcome. Okay. Here. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. I know this is unedited, but is this also uncensored? <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. One of the biggest reasons why I was inspired to come to this, I guess, avenue mm-hmm. is to really like push the boundaries of what I felt comfortable with in expression. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but I have always been like very much a writer and it mm-hmm. allows me to be very perfect and polished and say yes. exactly what I need to say. Mm-hmm. But whenever I'm just like in the moment saying something, blurting it out loud without as much filtering, that's when like the the juice comes out. So I was like, mm, I think... It's yeah. scary and edgy, but I think this is how I need to be. So that's how I, I hope my, my humans come onto the show as well. Yeah, <laughs> I can relate to that entirely because, um, you know, through Instagram, it is largely the way that I'm connecting with people. And um, a lot of people get triggered by the way that I write. And, I, and I've had people tell me that I'm very austere whenever mm-hmm. I write. And I think that's true. Hmm, excuse me, I just burped. <laughs> That's okay. Well, this is unedited. Okay. So, but when I was a child, I had a stutter. So um, I found a lot of solace in writing. And then of course I grew up to be a songwriter and, um, and now I'm a blogger. So um, just like you said, writing is a way for me to kind of curate myself. And whenever I was a child, I found that writing was easier for me to communicate than actually speaking because I had such a stutter and I was self-conscious about it. And, and still now, whenever I get, um, kind of fiery, I will sometimes still stutter. So <laughs> I get like, uh, emotional or, um, very, uh, impassioned with a topic or something like that. I was mm-hmm. still so, so yes, um, I'm right there with you. I feel like that's something that we really myself. Yeah. yeah. And then speaking candidly, I'm definitely less polished. (laughs) Yes. I think, I think that's like one of the things that I've always related to you really deeply about is like, and I, I haven't really shown it a lot on social media just because for obvious reasons, there's like a lot of, a lot of eyes on you, right? It feels a little bit uncomfortable sometimes to fully, let the guard down and just say mm-hmm. what you want to say. But I've always really appreciated the fact that you say what you need to say and like you'll apologize later if you need to. Um, but that's <laughs> I think that's just so brilliant. Like that's something that I've been like really trying to bring back into the way that I show up. And that's kind of why I've moved away from writing in the last year. I'm starting to come back to it a little bit more, but it was, I, there was this like, I like to use the words like creative and expression, expression constipation where like I would have these (laughs) things to say, but then I would try to write them and perfect them and tweak them. And, and like you said, curate them. And it was, it just didn't land the same. So having, a place to speak it was just like, okay, like here I go. And if it is imperfect and if it bothers somebody and if my voice gets a little elevated, that's okay because my soul is in it. Yeah. Sometimes writing can squeeze the life out of something Yeah, because I feel like our perfectionist, <laughs> that, um, that inner perfectionist that I feel like a lot of us have, um, it comes out in the writing, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why I end up 
coming across as austere to people. So yeah, I'm definitely right there with you. And I'm trying to quell that uh, inner perfectionist. That's something too, that was very much um, present in my art and music as well. You know, trying to be the best at what I did and everything. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm in a, I'm definitely in a space of trying to not feed that or fuel that um, because perfectionism is ultimately rooted in that wound, you know, of not feeling like you're good enough. So yeah. Allowing myself to be flawed and finding the beauty and the humanity in that. Oh, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I relate to that. <laughs> I had a 10-year competitive athletics career. And let me tell you, the the discipline and the perfection when they come together and then just become the way you exist into adulthood is like mm-hmm. a very difficult pattern to put down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it just, um, it feels so much better and more human. And I think that's something that I've really realized over the last year, having um, entangled with a myriad of different ways of existing within a spiritual context, within a professional context, is like really coming back to like the humanness that we all have and, and embody and exist in and, and just mm-hmm. being in the mess sometimes and letting that be okay and letting yourself be enough in that. And and like you said, right, is like really centering that relationship that you have with God and with creator to like hold you in that. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, I definitely see very, very similar, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> patterns with the two of us. Yeah, I do too. Beautiful. Um, So I've been really dying to ask because I know you've kind of gone through a lot of mm, transformation over the last few months. I'm not going to ask anything very specific, but what is really real for you right now? What's been like at the front and center for your life and for what you're moving through um, as much or as little as you feel safe and excited (laughs) and comfortable to share? (laughs) Yeah, no, this is great. Um, For me, um, I guess I would say embodiment and what that really means and what people think it means (laughs) and what I thought it meant, you know? So um, yeah, there's, this seems to be something that keeps coming up uh, in conversations because people are, I guess their interest is piqued by the stuff that I've been sharing on Instagram lately. So yeah, there's um, something that's been coming up for me, I guess, is um, this this healing community that we're both a part of, you know, the, the, which is how I know you, mm-hmm. <clears throat> through this quantum community. And this quantum community, um, I guess it's so intriguing because ultimately anything is possible, right? Within this community, mm-hmm. there's a lot of magic. There's a lot of fairy tale. There's a lot of allure. There's a lot of glamour. There's a lot of, there's a whole other layer of false light that is settled on top of this community that I feel like I'm now beginning to peel back. And um, so a place that I'm coming to now is the realization that, um, and this is so interesting, quantum physics is something that my husband and I have been into for a very long time. We've um, 
you know, we have lots of books. We, we watch lots of um, um, documentaries and listen to podcasts and stuff regarding quantum physics. And so I think that that was really what pushed me into the quantum community. Um, obviously like psychic work and things like that as well, but um, quantum is almost like a tagline, right? It's, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a buzzword. So yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so th- that's a whole other conversation, but <laughs> I feel like it's become a bit of like a hook at this point, really. Yeah. You put put quantum in front of anything, suddenly you're legitimized and yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, but what I'm coming to find though, is that quantum physics, there's a bridge between quantum physics and quantum psychic, psychics, right? It's like you Mm -hmm. switch a couple letters around and you have physics from psychics, right? Yeah. So- one is the masculine, one is more structured, and then one is the feminine. It's more intuitive, right? So quantum psychic work and then quantum physics. And there needs to be a bridge between them because I don't think that we can have one without the other, without the logic and the groundedness of the science, the 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 logic, right? The logos, that's where the word logic comes from. Mm-hmm. And the logos is a living word, right? That's the structure of um, the spirit, and so there has to be a structure and a groundedness to the intuitiveness and the, um, the wisdom as well and vice versa, right? We can't, if we, if we have the science without the wisdom and the, um, intuition, then we, it's very cold and sterile, right? Yeah. We have to have both of them together. So that like unification, place, right? Of the form yeah. and the formless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm at a place where I'm trying to kind of bridge that gap in myself because I feel like that's what's bringing me more into embodiment. And when I mean embodiment, mm-hmm. I'm talking about like here now, yeah, in my body now as Danica in this timeline, in this lifetime now, because I feel like a, a, a thing that keeps happening in quantum healing work is that people get sucked into these other timelines. Mm -hmm. They get sucked into these other identities and, um, and then they start putting their consciousness in those places and it, and it ultimately fractures them where they are now. Mm -hmm. Right. So they care about who they were in another timeline or if they were some sort of like, um, prominent figure in another timeline or, or their wounds about their past or future lives or whatever. But it's like, really, we're here now because we have to be doing the work here now in our body Mm -hmm. in this lifetime. And so there, for me, it's, it's bringing this logic and this groundedness back into this healing work because I'm starting to realize just how disembodied a lot of this is in the quantum community and people are just kind of like floating off into fairy tales and into these what i've been calling like narrative entombments like they're getting mm-hmm. entombed in these narratives and um so that's kind of where i'm at now and um it's really funny because i think what really a, a, a pivotal moment for me was when i <clears throat> decided to make a public statement that I was going to use my given name and it sent this ripple out into the community and people, some people started losing their shit, right? Because I, and I didn't say anything about anybody else. I said this, I've recognized how this, how me using a spiritual name has fractured my own consciousness. And there's no place for that because I'm on a journey to become whole. And then 
it's interesting because other people started making it about them. Like, mm. oh, so you think that because I have a spiritual name that I'm disembodied or that I'm fractured or whatever. And I'm like, I actually never said anything about anybody else other than my own journey. This is about me, you know? So, um, but I think that's actually pretty revealing <laughs> that you yeah. think that it's about <laughs> you, right? So I guess I'm coming to a place now where I'm trying to to bridge this gap in myself and then find a way to bring this into the community and fuse it and imbue it into the community because it's really interesting to me to see how unhealed people are in a within a healing community mm-hmm. and how fractured the consciousness becomes whenever we are um, actually fueling these other timelines, putting our consciousness in these other spaces that are outside of ourselves. And from a like a, a very quantum standpoint, this actually creates like false and alternate timelines and realities and stuff too, right? Because our consciousness, our true consciousness is actually what is the creative drive behind literally everything in the universe because our consciousness is is what comes from God. So, yes. Oh my gosh. I, I love this. I love this so much. I love that you've touched on so many things that I, like, I've just been like grappling with them for a while. Um, And like a couple of things come Mm -hmm. up for me when I think of – it's it's interesting because I've never felt fully like mm, invested in identifying with being part of a quantum community. Like I I was Mm -hmm. like – I've always felt a bit more like a witness to a Mm -hmm. lot of different pockets of my life that I've never like been fully like – I didn't put on the costume. Mm -hmm. And – that's good. <laughs> In witnessing, yeah, there were just there were some patterns that felt really alarming to me as I would watch them unfold and some of them would be these just like these cascades that would run through the community of like almost like parroting or panic or fear or quitting certain mm-hmm. things at a certain time or dropping someone out at a certain time oh and gosh, it was just yes. like like this feels a little bit crazy making to constantly be in at the mercy of what's happening outside of you or what Mm -hmm. someone else is saying or someone else is doing. And for me, it's always been just this like, okay, stay, stay at your locus of existence, of your perception, of your relationship with yourself and with God. And and just let everything else happen. And you don't need to force. You don't need to control. You don't need to participate in spiritual hypochondria and be afraid mm-hmm. of like how all of these things or people are going to affect your field or like well, it was just to come from God, you know, yeah. like that's not a God frequency. So that right there is enough to tell you that there's an access point that's being exploited in your energy field, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it was, it's just been like a really, um, it's been very enlightening and illuminating to just to track kind of where, where energy has been kind of pulled into or where things have been tried to thread into siphoning points mm-hmm. um, and and just kind of like allow that to be information instead of like activation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think <clears throat> I think the 
and I use all the air quotes in the world here, the quantum community, mm-hmm. <laughs> this quantum community, um, like we're, <laughs> we're not exempt from the phenomenon of groupthink no. either, you know? No. So yeah. I, I recognize and acknowledge a lot of that, that like you said, moves or cascades through the community as well, because mm-hmm. people really ultimately, they want to be a part of something, you know what I mean? But this yeah. is, the, and this is what I've been talking about lately is that individualism really has to preface collectivism. Otherwise we create a mob or a cult, you know, and we can't actively or effectively contribute anything to the collective other than what's already being contributed by everybody else. Right. If we're, if we're participating in groupthink or the hive mind of this collective. So we, we have to be okay with um, having diverse thought and belief, right? Even, even when we're part of a community diversity, that that's also a trigger word lately, right? Do Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a trigger word. People think of diversity and it's like really people want to apply that word to externals, right? So skin color, race, all of this kind of stuff. And I get that, but diversity really has to also um, include diversity of belief and thought. Otherwise it's really just performative action, right? Yeah. <clears throat> we really have to be tr- truly diverse. Yeah. And within ourselves, right? Like mm-hmm. I think well, that's, that's just individualism. A- if we focus on the self first and, and, and I feel like this is, this is actually a a tenant of healing work anyway, because we're always talking about we must heal ourselves before we can actually do anything for the collective, right? It all starts Mm -hmm. with, I mean, it's as basic as, was it Gandhi who said, be the change you wish to see in the world? It's like, we have to, we have to do the thing ourselves first, right? So this is it. We have to create our individual relationship with God, our unique healing path back to God before we can actually contribute anything outside of ourselves. And we have to remain individual in order to do it. Because if we lose ourselves, we create a mob or a cult mm-hmm. and we, we actually succumb to that group think. So, um, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is, this is a thing that I am recognizing within the community and I have for a while. And what you said too, about like pushing people out, pushing people out of the community. There always seems to be some (laughs) pariah dog who's like cast out right now. That's me. I'm the pariah (laughs) dog. The stuff I've been talking about lately has cast me to the fringes of this, uh, society air quotes society. Right. So, um, and that's okay. I don't care. I don't care. But that right there proves the group thing that's going on within the community, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you if you speak against the scheduled program, <laughs> exactly, it's like you're you're no longer you know welcomed by the program. So and yeah. and it is it's a program. It's a it's a thought control program. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean to your point too, like you said, we there's it's this perpetual process of coming to wholeness, there's going to be layers of healing. And Mm -hmm. like you said, even if you're, again, with the air quotes, more far along or evolved or advanced in your healing process, those layers that need healing just become more subtle. It just requires Mm -hmm. a heightened level of discernment and relationship to be able to actually like see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And then 
do something with that information. <laughs> so it's yeah. And I think yeah. too what people um not that they don't understand, but I think perhaps they are maybe like glossing over the fact that healing is like you said a process and oftentimes never ending process. And we don't really arrive at a destination. And so when I first began this work, um, you know how when you first start something, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I know enough to feel like I have a handle on it. You know what I mean? Like I can mm-hmm. do this. Um, I know enough now to know that I don't know shit. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like it, the, expanse, the expansion has gone so far beyond anything that I've ever experienced before that I'm like, wow, this is, and it's completely changed the way that I facilitate work. It's, it's, it's changed the way, like the lens through which I view this work and, and the community, it's changed everything. Mm -hmm. And for me now, I'm trying to be more hands-off and just facilitate a space where people can actually just meet God and, Mm -hmm. and then participate in their own healing journey. Because what I'm actually learning is, um, well, and it's not that I'm just now learning this, but I feel like it's 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 really anchored more into my being in the past few months. But humans are fallible. We're fallible. So when we're in the fields and we're manually manipulating people's fields or doing grid work and manually manipulating the actual quantum fields or the fields of the earth or whatever, we're actually like manually manipulating these things. But then what happens whenever we achieve greater levels of truth or we come into closer proximity to the actual truth, you know what I mean? So then what I'm realizing and what I've done, okay, so <clears throat> let me let me tell a story real quick. So I recently had the opportunity to work with a friend. Um, she started out as a client and, that, and she's become a, a good friend now. And I was in her field and I was doing some work and I, and I noticed a like a false architecture, like some false structure that was in her field. And I was like, oh, wow, this has this energy signature on it. Have you had anyone do this type of work for you or whatever, you know? And she was like, "Mm, not that I can really think of. And so I was like, okay, well, as I went into it and started to expand it and like read the code, I started to recognize the energy signature, but I went into it thinking that I was going to dismantle something that someone else had put in her field. And when I started to recognize the code, I recognized it as my own work Mm. and it was false. It was a false work, right? So it was something that I had put into her field from probably one of our very first sessions that we had had together. And it was a humbling experience, you know, and I do my very best to always be transparent and, um, and integrous and accountable. And so of course I had to tell her, I was like, wow, this, um, this is my work and I'm seeing it for what it is now. And I'm very sorry that this happened. I didn't know at the time. And now I do. Mm-hmm. And of course she was very gracious with me and she was like, Oh my gosh, no, no worries whatsoever. We all make mistakes. But it, that was a pivotal moment for me because I recognized, should we actually be manipulating things manually or is that actually for God to do? Right? So then I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, and this is something that I've been pondering for the last few months. I'm just like, I don't think we're supposed to be doing that because we're fallible. And when we're on this journey to peel back all of these layers on this lens that we're viewing everything through, which is our 
um, essentially a wounded lens, right? So through our healing process, we peel back more layers and we see the truth more clearly. And the clearer we see the truth, the more that we have to adjust ourselves and readjust ourselves to come back into alignment with that truth. So then what happens then if we've done all this work in the past and it ends up being incorrect? What I'm seeing is that this is coming to light and a lot of people are very fearful about taking accountability and being transparent about their imperfections or their, um, not necessarily like wrongdoings because they're not doing it on purpose. Right. Most of the time it's like, they're so afraid to be transparent about, um, mistakes. And so I, so I sometimes hold myself to a debilitating level of accountability almost. And I'm just like, I'm just going to blast myself to everyone and not because I'm, I'm being very hard on myself, but because I want to lead by example and let people know that this is, this is actually a code of conduct that we have to adhere to if we're going to stay in alignment with God. Yeah. You know? So, um, people are always like, you, you're so hard on yourself. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. I'm like, I'm not hard on myself. I'm not over here spiraling out in shame over what I did. I can see it for what it is and understand and have grace with myself, but grace and accountability go hand in hand. We can't actually, receive grace if we're not transparent about what we've done, you know, and take accountability for it. So it's, it's changed the way that I work and the way that I facilitate my containers completely. And now instead of actually going in with this idea that I'm the healer or I'm actually um, like the initiator or whatever, right. I just create a space for people to meet God. God's Mm -hmm. the healer. God's the initiator. God does what God needs to do with this person. And this person has the ability to actually participate in their own healing and come to their own revelations about their own work. And I'm just holding the space for them. I feel like I'm hearing myself right now. (laughs) I just like, uh, yeah, like a a few months ago, maybe like at the beginning of the summer when I was being presented with the decision to become a quantum healer or not, I like I had to sit with it and I came to the same conclusion that I like I in good conscience I could not participate in like you said the manipulation or working in or on someone else's energy on their behalf like that is that's God's role that's not my mm-hmm. place and I decided to put the way that I was taught to work with energy in that way, put it to the side and really, like you said, like be a a way shower of like through your embodiment, through your example, through your raised standards, how do you work with your energy? What is your relationship with God and presenting maybe a potentiality to somebody or Mm -hmm. a, an example of what's available and instead just facilitating them to meet themselves in that space, whatever, however that looks like for them, right? It doesn't even mm-hmm. have to be anything similarly to how you're working with it. But I think that's so important to be able to empower people in their own relationships with themselves and with creator and with their own energy and their own field and I think the the word sovereignty has been thrown around a lot as well, but like really to like 
come back to their own state of agency over themselves. Mm -hmm. And with that agency comes, like you said, that accountability, that self-responsibility, all of these like hard to swallow pills of like, yeah, like if you want the rewards of feeling really empowered and feeling really grounded in your relationship with God and really at peace, then those are some of the things that you'll have to start to play with mm-hmm. to experience that and and just creating spaciousness for people to feel safe and starting to explore what responsibility of their own field looks like and feels like and what responsibility mm-hmm. for their own relationships looks like and feels mm-hmm. like and yeah it's it's and participating in their own <laughs> healing journey because exactly. I've, just, I've totally noticed that people will sometimes use quantum sessions as a crutch you know they become dependent on it and that's not I I look forward to a day when I'm completely out of work <laughs> You know what I mean? Like when I don't need to facilitate healing containers anymore because people have figured it out for themselves, you know? Yeah. There's, and everyone's journey is so individual. Everyone's relationship with God is so individual that there's just absolutely no way that we can create a uniform experience um, for healing at all. Yeah. You know, so I just, I, I dream of a day when I don't have to, not that I'm, you know, like dreading doing this work, but I love it. I really do enjoy it. But my hope is that people can facilitate their own healing for themselves and not have to um, search for that outside of themselves, you know? And I, I, I understand, I recognize that, you know, there are people who are our guides, you know, and people who have already like transited through these things. Um, it, it's beneficial. It's helpful for them to also be a way shower for other people who are transiting something similar, but ultimately mm-hmm. we can't hold their hands and yeah. coddle them through the experience, right? They have to be responsible for their own healing. Yeah. So yeah. That's really what I'm hoping for. <laughs> in, yes. in our future. I mean, I've um, said so many times to different clients, mentorship clients, people that have worked with me in different containers and experiences that it's my hope that they like graduate from me and my energy and what I'm offering because mm-hmm. they're in such a place where they don't feel they need as much guidance. They don't need as much support in the same way. It's not that they don't need support, period. But um, even if it's maybe that container that they've graduated from or me that they've graduated from, the level of support or the level at which they're willing to meet themselves and take responsibility gets to be that much deeper and more rich and mm-hmm. whole of themselves. And there's a lot less, like you said, there's a lot less of that handholding. There's a lot less of that like externalizing of what's what for them. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And that's like, like you said, like you want to be kind of out of a job eventually, not because you don't like what you're doing, but because you want to see people so embodied and so sovereign and so in trust and so in relationship with themselves that there's not that neediness anymore. And if they do come into a relational experience with you or a container with you, 
it's not from a place of need. It's from this desire of like, okay, like, and then how can we co-create something more, something better, something Mm -hmm. that's an an enhancement on what I already have here within Mm -hmm. myself. Yeah, totally. Yes. I love this conversation (laughs) so much. (laughs) I do Um, (laughs) I want to also speak to, I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, um, just the idea of like that raised standard, right? And and the being hard on yourself or how some people might perceive it. Um, I think that's like such a necessary thing in the world right now is for people to be willing to, um, like you said, take accountability, take responsibility and see to the best of their abilities, their own blind spots and hold themselves mm-hmm. to a higher standard. And that to me is like, such a fundamental piece of leadership and what it means to be in that way showing role in that leadership role and in for me just like a a healthy relationship with god is to constantly be coming into a deeper embodiment of like I guess, like, what would God do in this situation? Like, what level of compassion, what level of love, what level of integrity, what level of responsibility mm-hmm. would would be required of me? And I just think it's really beautiful that you're willing to go first, right? You're willing to show up in that way. And so I would love to just hear a little bit more about your relationship with, I guess, like standards and like integrity and what that means for you or looks like for you. (laughs) Yeah, this could definitely, um, there's a lot to unpack here because this also goes into the conversation around perfectionism. That's definitely something that I had to start to dismantle in myself because, um, I feel like there's a fine line between perfectionism and setting high standards and trying to achieve them, right? It can definitely go off the rails there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I think that there's, I think Africa Brooke actually said this. So that might be where I'm getting this from, but I think she said something about healthy striving. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember her saying something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's where I'm getting that from, but um and and that was um you know i listen i listened to that i feel like uh that podcast at a point in my life where i feel like i ha- was already doing that so even even though um it is very profound but i feel like it was just affirming to me you know what i mean right it wasn't like super acti- activating whenever i heard it it was just like oh yeah that's that's what i'm doing you know mm-hmm. so um but i was at a different you know i was at a at a place where i was already doing that whenever i listened to it but healthy striving if she's the one who um who said that i feel like is 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 actually what we're trying to do but the wound of being imperfect is what sets us spiraling in perfectionism and being so um self critical and i think that um integrity responsibility um being heart led um uh, having a humble heart, like true humility too. And not, um, you know, not that inversion of humility that stems from like low self-esteem and, mm-hmm. um, unworthiness, all of these, all of these things, I feel like work together to keep us aligned to our relationship with God and what I call our divine inheritance as a child of God. Right. 
our divine inheritance is something that we're already worthy of because we exist, right? And we don't have to earn it, but we do have to align to the energetic frequency of it in order to maintain it. So accountability, transparency, um, grace, heart-led action, um, a humble heart and, uh, or a truly humble heart. Let me say a truly humble heart. Um, All of these things I feel like help keep us in that energetic resonance to our relationship with God. And so for me, that is what divine order is. And that is what integrity is, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we achieve reciprocity with God. We have to give what we want to receive, right? We want all these things from God. So we also have to give that. Um, That is the divine order of things to my understanding. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's not even a, like, it's a non-issue at this point for me to just try to be as integrous as possible. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, if I, I'm a very naturally passionate person whenever I speak on topics, but there are many times where I have to recant or retract a statement, right? And, mm-hmm. or say, I was wrong about this. I have new information now, and this is what I feel like I'm leaning towards now. And it's a, it's really a, an ethical responsibility. I feel like for us to do that, especially as someone who, I, I mean, do, I don't know if I consider myself a leader or a way shower or whatever, but I feel like ultimately other people decide that, you know what yeah. I mean? We don't, we don't decide that for ourselves, but other people decide that you are a way shower or a leader for them. And that's how we get put into those places of air quotes leadership. I don't want to say authority because I don't feel like I'm an authority on anything other than my own existence. Right. Exactly. I'm an authority over my own energy and whatever. But when other people decide that, and I know that other people are looking to me for information, I have an ethical responsibility to try my very best not to lead them astray. So when Mm -hmm. I realize that I have strayed, I have to realign myself. And it's important for me to take public accountability for that. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, and, and it feels good to me to do so. You know what I mean? It feels, I can always tell when something is weighing on me and I need to do something about it because I can feel a constriction in my heart space. Yeah. And, um, and whenever I do something about it, I can, it actually just goes away and I feel expansive through my heart again. And the, and the heart is the space that holds the true consciousness. So when we're feeling the knot in our heart or we feel the constriction in our heart, for me, it's just as simple to tap into it and see what's moving around there. That's not supposed to be there. And then mm-hmm. I take that action, the heart led action to correct whatever that is. And so I guess a good example is, um, my friends, uh, Jody and Bo were here visiting and, um, <laughs> Bo said something that was completely like innocent and he did a hand gesture along with it that I made a, a very inappropriate sexual joke about. And I know that they didn't even think anything of it or whatever. I know they felt the energy and it was a habit. It was something that was a habit to, for me to say something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then I started to feel later a couple of hours later, I was in the shower and I was like, where is this sticky energy coming from? Like, what is happening here? And I was praying about it. And I just really went into the heart space. And I asked, um, I asked God what was going on. And it was that leaky energy from that habitual 
uh, I guess, state of mind that I went into that, that hand gesture triggered. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I got in the shower, I just, it wasn't even a thing. Like I'm not embarrassed about it. I was just like, Hey, Bo in front of Jody and her daughter, I was like, Hey, Bo, I made an an appropriate joke and I just want to apologize for it. It was leaky and it made me feel sticky and I don't like it. And I am sorry if I put that into our space and your space in particular. Um, It was something that was very innocent that you did that had no innuendo and I made it something else because of some habitual type of behavior that um, just suddenly came to the forefront of my consciousness. And now I'm more conscious about making those types of jokes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I think about it whenever I see it and I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not going to participate in that. It, it, yes. it went from my subconscious to my conscious, to like the conscious forefront of, of um, what am I trying to say? It went from, my subconscious to the forefront of my consciousness. Yes. And in that moment, I was able to clear that energy. I was also able to be accountable and I was able to take something that was an unconscious habit. And now I can recognize it and identify it whenever it starts to come up and happen, you know? And I think that that's, um, and those types of innuendos and jokes are just so rampant in our society anyway and in media and everything, yeah. you know, and even like some of my friends who are not into healing work or whatever, like I'm friends with all kinds of people, right? So yeah. even in my interactions with them, inappropriate jokes are just normal. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's normalized. I won't say it's normal, but it's normalized. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so whenever I did it, it was just, it was meant to be like funny, but it was like, not, and I felt it like all over my body. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And I was like, that was inappropriate and leaky and I'm sorry. And I'll Mm -hmm. do better. You know what I mean? And he was like, you know what he said? He said, I don't know what to say. He was like, I felt it. And, uh, and I was like, you don't have to say anything because it's not for you to respond to. That was for me to take accountability. And then his, his, uh, his wife, Jody was just like, she was like, you know what? that's why we love you. Cause you're the real deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just think that it was just, it's just so easy, but it, the, the reason why it's not easy is because we get in our own way and we get embarrassed or we feel shameful or we get stuck in that wound. You know what I mean? It, as long as you are responsible for your actions, taking accountability for them, being transparent about them and doing something to change them, like heart-led action to actually correct them, there's nothing to be embarrassed or be ashamed about because we're humans and we're doing the best that we can. You know what I mean? As long yes. as we're not getting stuck in those ruts, you know, and, and, and feeding those shame loops or whatever, then there's really nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that you said that because the one thing that kept coming up while you were sharing this, first of all, was like, I've totally been there and done that. And I had to take responsibility for something that I've said or done that like I felt wrong about, like it just didn't sit well with me. And like, like you said, it's, it's normalized in a lot of circles. So a lot of the time people don't, don't catch it. It's very subtle. Mm -hmm. Um, And to your point as well, right? Like that process of taking self-responsibility of being in accountability is a, a decision you have to make. You're always going to have that choice point to choose whether you're going to show up for that or not. And although it's really simple, it's not always easy because of all of the mm-hmm. human messiness that gets layered on top of it. And I think the more we 
allow ourselves to just be in our humanness and recognize that inherently being a human being is messy. It's you're, We're not here mm-hmm. for perfection. Allows us to take a lot of pressure off of ourselves to have to do things a certain way or be a certain way. And I want to kind of bring this full circle to earlier when you were speaking to like I don't even necessarily see myself as a leader or a way shower. It's about how other people receive me. That's like, I feel like you, like I could hear myself in that because over the last few months, I've been kind of like redoing my website and my bio and stuff like that and having to ask myself the question of, okay, like how do I share myself and what I do and how I show up? And it continues to be really apparent that the way that I get to show up is human first. It's human first, frequency first. Like I'm just me and everything else that gets layered on top of it is somebody else receiving and perceiving my humanness in whatever way. So whether it's being a muse, whether it's being an activator, whether it's being a way shower, a leader, a healer, whatever, um, I feel like like a human like take a take a comment flyer that you see on those telephone <laughs> posts, right? Take what you need. Um, <laughs> and it's like when we're when we're able to be really grounded in that humanness and be okay with like every part of ourselves, we become really available to um, being exactly what is needed in the moment for somebody else, just by the way that we embody ourselves. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really beautiful and miraculous way of existing when the pretense gets to leave the room and you just, it's, there's just this safety and this peace Mm -hmm. around like no expectations, no costumes. I just am. And in that amness, you can receive me however is needed. Yeah. Wow, that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, and relatable too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, it's this whole conversation really like brought me back to that process internally and just how, like, again, like it's simple, but again, those choice points of yeah, who are you going to be? Are you going to be responsible? Are you going to be in integrity? Are you going to be okay with your humanity? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to go back to the same patterns? Right. Yeah. And I think what you were saying about, um, to just to kind of touch on the whole like leader, uh, slash way shower slash air quotes, authority, whatever. (laughs) Um, I think that we should be aware and, uh, discerning of, (laughs) people who do view themselves in that way, that I am a leader, I'm an authority, I am, you know what I mean? Because that right there is indicative of that wound around being important or um, needing to position yourself in a, a space of authority or something like that. And ultimately that actually will attract fans. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want. We don't want celebrity fan you know, programming or any of that, like, um, idolatry programming and things like that. So, um, it's important for all of us to be aware of, um, either, you know, 
where we feel like we need to be perceived in that way or that we're trying to present ourselves in that way or be discerning of how other people in our circles are also doing that because that is indicative of a program that's running that's trying to um, plug us into those types of programs. So I think that's really interesting, actually. There's something just came up as you were saying it, and I know when I – play with the words or the energy of like leadership or of way showing or whatever you want to call it. Um, For me, that's a relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. Like to choose to be a leader is not for anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a huge distinction between, Mm -hmm. like you said, being in that program of wanting to be a leader to fill a hole or to feel important or to have influence versus being in a relationship with yourself where you're capable and willing to lead yourself. You're capable and willing to like, like you said, like be in that relationship with God, be led by God, i.e. through yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like through the heart and and be okay with showing up however you're asked in that energy of leadership or in that energy of showing yourself your way. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really important is for people to understand and, like you said, discern the underlying intention and relationship behind those, I guess, identities, those identifiers mm-hmm. or costumes that they're wearing and is like – is it coming from a place of like wholeness? Is that really like you and you? Or is that you and an expectation? Is that you and a wound? Is that you and a pattern? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of of beauty that can be shared when we're able to be in that you and you relationship with those costumes or those identifiers or those ways of being or showing up. And, and then offering that to the collective through what we do or our art or our service or our mm-hmm. work, um, the impact to me just feels different, right? And, and I think like you were saying, right, like you can energetically feel the difference behind the frequency of somebody who is acting as a leader and mm-hmm. somebody who is and is being right. one. Right. And usually the people who are like the true leaders have never made a decision that they're going to be a leader. They're just, like you said, having that relationship with themselves, guiding and leading themselves to wholeness. And then ultimately they end up being the way showers, right? Because otherwise it's the blind leading the blind. Someone who's acting and performing as a leader, but not really addressing their wounds or doing the healing work can't effectively lead anyone to healing Mm -hmm. because they don't know it. Right. Yeah. So usually the people who are the true leaders never made that decision for themselves. They just happen to have people put that role upon them because they are leading by example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through their through their own healing journey. So yeah, and like you said, there's a very distinctive um, frequency there with that. You can tell if you're really, really like discerning or (laughs) like really aware you can tell whenever it's performative and when it's actually real yeah 
Yeah. Um, there's one thing that I wanted to circle back on that we kind of briefly touched on around that decision to show up in integrity and like almost being self-accountable or in integrity, I say in air quotes, to a fault. Um, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but this is something that I have definitely had to like be with and and examine within myself is this feeling of like integrity has never been optional for me. Like since I was a kid, I've always been the first one to apologize, the one to take responsibility, even to the point of like over responsibility or over blame or over integrity. Mm -hmm. And I find that perhaps martyrdom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if you've had that relationship as well with like coming into a healthier expression of being in integrity and maybe owning your responsibility or your side of the street in a way that is really organic and really healthy and not um, not in a way that compromises you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, um, this is interesting because I would say that I relate in some ways and then I can think back on some ways where I definitely was not in integrity um, and in like my teen years and stuff like that, whenever I was really young, yes, I, I, and it's still like this. And and anyone in my family knows, don't ask me anything unless you want the truth because, (laughs) because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? I might give you what I call a shit sandwich, which is like a compliment, something that is like very truthful that you're not going to like. And then another compliment, I call Mm -hmm. it a shit sandwich, but (laughs) But um, there were many times in my teen years where I can think of that I definitely was not in integrity. And those particular moments that I'm thinking of are really related to my greatest wound, which is my father wound. Mm -hmm. And in particular, the things I'm thinking about really just um, involved like my husband and I. He wasn't my husband at the time, obviously, because we were kids. But... But um, just my relation, my early relationship with him and I was just not in integrity because I was living in that wound of needing to be um, acknowledged and seen and desired by the masculine. And so I I definitely was not in integrity in a lot of ways. Um, However, um, when I was younger and even... um, And even more recently, I I mean, I wouldn't say like super recently, but um, in those moments where I feel like I need to take accountability in the past, I could, I can definitely identify some spaces where um, I would be the first to apologize or even apologize profusely, but it was because I was ashamed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like, I felt a deep sense of shame and, or regret and felt the need to um, almost grovel, I guess. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. felt it, it really triggered my wound of, of of being unworthy or being ashamed of being imperfect or making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, there's um, this is where I developed perfectionism. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And so I think that this could go from one end of the spectrum into the other if we're not ca- careful. Because if we um, if we need to take accountability because we feel that deep sense of shame that 
right there is like, that's not the reason why we need to take accountability. We need to go in there and heal that wound. For me now, taking accountability is, I don't feel that deep sense of shame or Mm -hmm. um, fear of being imperfect or anything anymore. When I feel, what I feel is the sticky energy and I want to get the sticky energy off of me. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And I'm like, okay, let me observe and see where this is coming from. Oh, this is a mistake that you made, or this is an access point in your field. There was some leaky energy here or whatever. Then I just see it for what it is. And I try to correct it. You know what I mean? There's no shame or um, unworthiness or whatever, because I understand now I'm a human. I'm flawed. I'm going to make mistakes. I just, once I know better, I do better. I correct it, whatever it is, what it is, you know, and then, and then it's, it's done and over with. I'm not going to wallow in it or like spiral out in it, but I definitely can see what you're talking about in my past need to apologize or um, air quotes, be the bigger person and be the first to apologize. You know what I mean? It was Mm -hmm. almost like there was a virtue in, in, in groveling or um, recognizing that you were wrong or whatever, you know what I mean? But now it's like, I say I'm wrong when I'm wrong because it's the right thing to do. And there's no, there's really no emotion attached to it. You know what I mean? It's just, it is what it is. And that's, it's almost just very logical. Like that's what I have to do to correct what's happening. And I want to mm-hmm. correct what's happening. So now I have to do this, you know? Yeah. It's just like a, um, it's just action that needs to be taken. And, yeah. it, and it keeps my energetic boundaries clean. Mm-hmm. It, um, it, it, keeps me aligned to what I call my divine inheritance, which is my connection with God. And I just want to keep, my greatest desire is to keep my energy clean and my boundaries clear Mm -hmm. and defined. And I'm going to do whatever necessary to keep that in alignment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes, in the past, definitely uh, (laughs) that, that need to feel like I'm groveling or something. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I know that like, especially in the healing community, um, as we like to call it, (laughs) there is a lot of that, like, I guess, inverted empathy Mm -hmm. happening where like, there's this assumption of what it means to be in integrity or what it means to be compassionate or graceful. Mm -hmm. And I know in my observation of myself and of just the community sometimes there is that like self-violation in lieu of like true true integrity and like Mm -hmm. true responsibility and so I think it's it just felt really important right to to bring that to light for anybody that might still be experiencing maybe those extreme ends of the integrity spectrum. <laughs> there's all, there's always an inversion of yeah. the truth. There's yeah. always some inversion of the truth. And <clears throat> I like what you said about um, empathy, because this is something that I feel like a lot of people struggle with. It's what I call the inverted empath. And it is the absorbing of energy in order to relate to someone and taking on energetic waste rather than keeping a clear and defined clean boundary, mm-hmm. keeping your energetic sovereignty and still able to relate to someone while keeping yourself safe, you know? Yeah. And a perfect example was over the holiday, right? The holidays really test our boundaries, don't they? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> My sister, um, 
we don't get to spend a lot of time like in the physical with one another because she lives in Tampa. Um, and, uh, but she's, she's moving back. She's moving back to Pensacola, which is like two hours away from where I live now. So I feel like I'm, I'm close enough to see her when I want to, but also far enough away to where I don't have to, I don't want to, (laughs) (laughs) but over, over the holiday, we were at my mother's house and, uh, my sister definitely brought her drama with her to the, you know, the family festivities. And, um, you know, I do my best to stay out of it until I'm asked, And then when I'm asked, I'm going to, you know, say what I see. And my sister said, you know, you just, you're not very empathetic. You need to do a better job of absorbing energy and helping people process it. And I'm like, that's not my job. And also, no, I don't consent to that. I don't want to absorb other people's energy, you know, and I know that you don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) you know, whenever you say these things. And um, so, no, I don't consent to that, you know, and then of course- she's mad because she wants to, she wants to dump it on me. You know, Mm -hmm. she doesn't know she wants to dump it on me, but subconsciously she does. And I think that this is, um, this is where, whenever we take accountability, it actually serves to bring us into deeper embodiment. Because like I said earlier, that moment that I had with Bo, where I was like, Hey, I need to take responsibility for that joke that I made. It was inappropriate. And I'm sorry that right there ever since then, I've been so much more conscious about when that comes up in my psyche and when it wants to come out and, and play and make itself known. Mm -hmm. And so that right there has made me more conscious. So I am now more deeply embodied that part of me. I have taken, I have, I have regained sovereignty over it. It's no longer a habit. You know what I mean? It's no longer in an unconscious cycle that is cycling that I don't have control over. And so um, when we take accountability, when we take responsibility for these things, we make a conscientious effort to correct them. And then we take what is subconscious, we bring it to the conscious. We regain sovereignty and control over ourselves. And at that point, it helps to serve to embody us more deeply. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, I feel like I was listening to my holiday recounting over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's, yeah. Um, I think it's just so important, right? Like you said, be able to have that self-awareness in the, in the moment when you're, when you're presented with that choice point of, am I going to continue stuffing down this pattern or am I going to choose the thing that's really simple, right? It's it's simple to take responsibility and say, mm, I messed up, like, let me own that. But it's not always easy. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I just like... Oh. It does not always equate to easy. <laughs> so much of what you said was just so relatable um, over the last week was is just like, like you said, you say what you see, right? And I have always been like that as well, where like, I won't necessarily be the initiator of a very uh, truth-filled two-by-four, but if somebody asks for my opinion, like, I'm not going to pretend that that's not what's happening. I'm not going to deny reality. I'm going to just say what is and how I'm experiencing it and Um, yeah, I I had such a very similar experience of having, uh, the expectation of responsibility placed on me and was told to be more sensitive and 
be more mm-hmm. able to hold other people's emotions. And it was just, yeah, it's like it's like we are holding you, just not yeah. in the way that you think that you want. <laughs> exactly. You've not experienced energetic sovereignty before, so it feels yeah. cold. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can fully relate to that. And that's been like a huge um theme and process for me over the last few years is um is that coming into deeper levels of mastery over my own energy and deeper levels of sovereignty and relationship with myself. And I think one of the interesting byproducts of that is the ripple effect that it has in the way other people relate to you and receive you and perceive you. And mm-hmm. I just, yeah, one of the things that I have really started to not come to terms with, but just, I guess, like, accept as a part of the process a little bit more gracefully is the uh, the discord that gets created when you start to actually call back your own energy and mm-hmm. and really be a little bit more graceful with allowing other people to experience whatever internal turmoil and tantrums and still be able to hold love and compassion for them, but not let that experience that they're having robbed me of my own peace. And so I feel like you've probably experienced a very similar journey. (laughs) Well, and I think too, that as we call our energy back and we become more embodied and we become more um, confident in our, like our own, I guess, existence, I feel like the more direct we become, the more um, the more we command our own space, the more that we claim our own space, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, by and large, people don't like that because everyone has been so indirect and phony and wearing masks and <laughs> wearing costumes for so long that you're actually, like when you actually do come into your own energetic sovereignty or begin to even and begin to act from that space, people think you're being abrasive, yeah. you know, they think you're being abrasive and you're like, I'm not, I'm just being real. Yeah. But everyone's been so, so indirect or, you know, mm-hmm. um, passive aggressive and phony and stuff for so long that you're just like, you're, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, a recalibration yeah. of relationships and boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess to, to come back to the, the way that our energy gets to be received by other people, I think in in being willing to be present and with reality and in our human experience, by proxy that almost inadvertently, whether we're intending it to or not, becomes a way-showing type of embodiment where we're mm-hmm. holding up the mirror and, and allowing people to see what is available to them. But then there's that hurdle of choosing it in front of them. And I think a lot of the time that gets that like people can either feel really affronted by reality or really activated in in a positive way, right? Into deeper levels of embodiment and relationship with themselves. And it's just really fascinating to watch that when you're when you're really anchored in your own energy in your own frequency to see what happens outside of you as you're just kind of holding and emanating who you be. <laughs> yeah. 
And then you get to be that observer too, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's really liberating to know that you don't have to participate in the things that go on around you that you can just like watch it. (laughs) Yeah. But then there's this whole movement that's like, your silence is violence, (laughs) you know? And you're like, so now they're trying to villainize being the the observer, right? (laughs) Totally. I mean, I think that there is a time and place whenever we do need to, you know, speak up um, whenever there's Mm -hmm. like imminent danger or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I feel like by and large, um, society now is trying to obliterate the nuance from everything Mm -hmm. and trying to cast generalized blankets over everything that if you're not with us, you're against us or there's no gray spaces. There's no, you know, there's no subtleties and and the human condition, the human experience is so complex that we can't negate the subtle nuance that is existing in everything, you know? So, um, yeah. One of my dear friends, Krista, always says that agenda just occupies and lives in the extremes. And mm-hmm. that's just, it's always just been such a like real statement. And when yeah. you think about how we're all being collectively conditioned to exist, that's so, so poignant and so relevant is like, okay, if you're being asked to occupy either end of a spectrum, something somewhere outside of you is trying to occupy your power source, your mm-hmm. your sovereignty, your ability to be whole. And so the closer mm-hmm. into the middle, I guess, we, what, what's it called? The zero point um, that we're able to occupy right? The more we're able to be in presence and mm-hmm. hold the the nuance and the reality of the situation and, and the experience that we're having. And um, yeah, it's just like my hope that, that more people can start to feel a sense of safety in that because I think it's as, as challenging and confronting as it can be when you're used to occupying charged spaces there's so much peace and there's so much power and there's so much like wisdom in the present moment and in the ability to mm-hmm. hold the fullness of, of reality. Right. Yeah. And in my experience, um, you know, the, the extremes of the spectrum are always at odds with one another. And those mm-hmm. are largely, um, <laughs> untruths or half truths. Right. And the truth is really somewhere in the middle, like you were saying, but I think to come to that truth in proximity to that middle ground, that usually is the space that occupies the actual truth. Right. Mm -hmm. We, we have to employ critical and free thought and have conversations and have difficult conversations with people. And I think that's where, I think that's why there's so much aversion to it because people don't want to have these conversations or we're being taught that we can't have these conversations. Right. And that we're taught that we can't actually have diverse thought. Right. So, so I think that we're not, a lot of people are not coming to that space because, um, because it's, the, well, I think it's a lot of reasons. I think they're censoring because, or self-censoring because they're afraid to be ostracized. They're afraid to be cast at the fringes of society. And, um, you know, and then there's a wound there too with that. Mm-hmm. And so they choose a side and these sides are at each other's throats, right? So then they're, they're within an echo chamber and it's these two opposing mobs that 
you know, and that's where the group think lies, I feel like is in yeah. the extremities. So um, it's, I think that it's wonderful to ask questions. I think it's wonderful to have hard conversations with people if you have the capacity to do it without getting emotionally charged. Right. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's wonderful to um, employ free thought and, and as long as you have the wherewithal to adjust your belief when new information is presented to you and not become dogmatic or fundamentalist, um, you know, in relation to your, your belief, it's so important to challenge our own beliefs to see if they're still applicable, if they um, are antiquated, if they still serve us. um, And, uh, and, and because it reveals where our attachments are and our attachments are usually rooted into a wound. Mm -hmm. So that's, I feel like it's so paramount to challenge our own beliefs all the time. I completely, I completely resonate with that. Yeah. I, and I mean, I find it's really funny actually when I was a lot younger, um, I used to purposely put myself in like really uncomfortable situations with people (laughs) that like, like graded me and like, just, I just did not feel at home in them. And I would, I don't know well, I know why, but I would do it because it, it made me feel the aliveness of the human experience. And once I got past my own discomfort and the experience that I was having with whatever was outside of me, what I often recognized and what's really fascinating is, is the middle ground becomes really accessible when you're able to like move beyond your own experience of something and you realize how fundamentally universal that desire for belonging and community is. And so these people that are occupying the fringes, really the extremes, mm-hmm. um, are, are, are just seeking that belonging and they're afraid to leave those extremes But when they do and they're able to kind of cross that threshold of like putting down their own armor, they're going to find more belonging in that middle ground because everyone is looking for the same thing. Well, and that's where the thriving (laughs) and diverse society actually is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's what everyone's really wanting, just like you said. And it's really in that middle ground. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Beautiful. So I know we're, we're quite beyond an hour, um, which I love. I could, we could, I'm sure there's so many areas that we could go into, but I want to honor your time. Um, is there another another episode at another time? I've really, really enjoyed this. Me too. It's been such a, such a joy. I know there have been many moments where you've posted things and I've wanted to just like engage in a really juicy conversation about it, but (laughs) Instagram isn't always the best place to do that. So thank you for joining me here. Um, Before we wrap up, I just want to offer you the space. If there's anything that you feel like you want to share or touch on um, to help you feel complete in the space. Um, No, I don't think so. I feel yeah, this was so wonderful. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. An and honor then to share space with you. Likewise, likewise. I feel like we're you feel very kindred. Um <laughs> like we're very very similar in a lot of ways, of course, with very diverse and different experiences, but um yeah, it's it's just felt really brilliant and like a a very home kind of a feeling and an energy sitting with you. So, um 
before I let you go, I just want to invite you to share with people um, that are listening, maybe what you're up to, ways that they can connect with you, um, the best way to get in your energy and experience who you are. Yeah. So I do have a website um, and my contact information, everything is on my website is ORFM Oracle. Um, And then of course I am on Instagram as well under ORFM Oracle and uh, I do have a private account. (laughs) So if you find me through this podcast, please send me a message request because usually I'll just, I'll like vet people and and I just delete most everybody because I don't feel like going through it. I know it's horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) I need to get better at doing that. Um, And then um, I actually have a podcast coming up in, uh, 2022 with Jody and Bo. It's called the Quantum Shit Show. Yes, <laughs> and it's going to be a very grounded, down to earth take on um, just stuff that we see in the fields, or um, just a very round table slash coffee table type of discussion, like you and I had today, just mm-hmm. on different topics um, that had to do with quantum work or a multi dimensional experience of God and healing and coming into wholeness. So it's going to be um, probably a lot of fun and that's going to launch in January. And, um, if you'd like to sign up for that launch or to get updates on that podcast, the website or the landing page where you can, um, join the email list is called quantum shitshow.com. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. I think that's all I've really got going on for right now. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to share you with my community and my audience. I think you're just such a brilliant human. So it was an honor to sit with you. Likewise. Likewise. I really love connecting and sharing space with you. Thanks again. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.